I also have the honor of being able to share the message with you guys today, uh, which is going to be a little bit shorter than our normal messages because we have so much going on. I thought there'd be a cheer there. I'm actually happy there's not. Now, we've been in the middle of a series. Um, this would have been week three, entitled Parenthood, uh, where we've been talking about parenting. Uh, but because uh, God moved in the way that God did, and we have six dedications and baptisms today, uh, we're kind of moving away from that series a little bit. And I'm going to tell you about one of my favorite chapters in the Bible as it relates to this. Uh, but in that chapter, you're going to see an example of a beautiful parent, um, the kind of parent I hope we can all be. But first, uh, there's an overarching theme in this chapter that I want to introduce to you guys. Uh, and to do that, I want to tell you a little story. Uh, I love music. Does anybody else in here love music? If you ever see me pull up to the church, you'll probably hear music coming from my car. If you see me around the church, I usually have one of my earbuds in. I'm always listening to music. Uh, and that passion has been passed on to my 11-year-old daughter. And so we listen to a lot of music together. Uh, we did have experience a, a couple months ago where we went on a little road trip. Uh, and Ollie, my daughter, one of her friends named Lily, decided to come with us. And when we went to pick up Lily, uh, Lily's dad came out and said, she loves riding in the car with you. She says, you play all the good old music. What was hurtful about that is that the good old music she was referring to was from 2005. So felt pretty ancient in that moment. Uh, but my daughter and I, we rock out to a lot of that music. But sometimes we go even a little further back into the 90s and every once in a while back into the 80s. And one of the artists from the 80s that we will occasionally listen to is three guys from New York named the Beastie Boys. Anybody know them? Some of you are questioning my parenting right now. I'm fine. I'll accept that. Uh, but one of the songs that my daughter absolutely loves the chorus of is Fight for Your Right to... Thank you. Could have been a little more passionate, um, but it's fine. No, we're having a bad day. We hop in the car. We roll the windows down. We turn that thing all the way up, and we just scream that chorus as loud as we can. Does anybody in this room relate to that whatsoever? Yeah, today we're going to be talking about partying. And uh, I love a good party. I know we have our kids in the room, so I'd like to ask a quick question. Uh, I actually have a mic. If any kid wants to answer on the mic, what does a good party need to have? Does any kid here want to give me an answer of what a good party needs to have? We've got someone right over here. Let's see. What does a good party need to have? Food. Yes. <laughs> Music. Food and music. Good answer. Anybody else want to give me a quick answer? What does it... Oh, you've got an answer up here. What does a good party have? Food and music. Second that. Oh, I see a couple of hands over here. We'll finish with this. What does a good party need to have? Got one right here. Balloons. Balloons. And I'm going to squeeze by you guys right here, right here. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What does a good party need to have? A party pooper. A party pooper? Wow. Um, okay. I am honestly just happy that no one said a clown. So, no. I love a good party. And the story that we're going to look at in the Bible today involves three different parties, all told in Luke 15. The first one here says, So Jesus told them a story, this crowd that is gathered around. 
He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he give the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have lost my sheep or I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. One little detail I love in that story is if you look at how shepherding was at this time, a lot of times it was a communal thing. It wasn't that I owned my sheep and you owned your sheep. Our community owned sheep together and we hired shepherds to take care of them. And I love that image of word getting out in the community that our shepherd that we had hired to do this job had lost one of our sheep. And the growing anxiety, the rumors that were being passed around throughout the entire day, wondering if he was going to find our sheep or if we were all going to be out. And then be there that evening, waiting, and then seeing that shepherd walk in with that sheep on his shoulders, knowing that he had found the lost one. Our, our community decides to party. I love that this first part of this chapter tells us that Part of our partying in the church is a communal thing. We do it together. It's a shared experience. But then it goes on. It says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin." In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. I read a commentary on this that talked about what these coins might be. And there was a process that when when a woman would get married, she'd be given a necklace with these ten coins on it. And it, it may be that that is what we're talking about here. And one of those coins has gone missing, which is kind of the equivalent of one of us losing our wedding ring. Is anybody in this room brave enough to admit, I have done that? Is anybody here? You have that moment where you look down and it's not on your finger anymore, so you're rushing around the entire house. You're doing what she did. You're turning everything upside down. Couch cushions are flying. You're in the car pushing the seat back. You're like, is this relatable to anyone? And the relief that you feel when you find it back, knowing that this irreplaceable thing is back in your possession, that's a good feeling. And it tells us that the partying that we experience as Christians feels like that. That we've lost something in our lives and yet we find it and we party. And then it goes on and it says to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. It says a few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. At this moment, this family is broken. This son has come to the father and said, I wish you were already dead so that I could go ahead and have my inheritance right now. And he gets it. And then not only does he get it, he leaves. He leaves their community. He leaves their culture. He goes into a foreign land. This represented a complete broken relationship between both him and his family and him and his community. It says he wasted all his money in wild living. 
About the time the money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. Now imagine being a son with a father who's pretty well off and having that life, but then deciding that you want more, and then it all goes wrong to the point that the only job you can find is taking care of the pigs. Then it gets worse. It says the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. So not only is he taking care of the pigs, at this point he's so hungry, he wants to act like one of the pigs. But that's how low his life has become. It says when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. He says, I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against you, both you and heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me in as a hired servant. At this point in the story, it reminds me of when I was in high school and I missed my curfew. Has anyone ever been there recently? And I remember driving home and I would rehearse what I was going to say to my dad and my mom because I knew they would be waiting for me. Has anybody ever done this before? Like, you know, you get this bad conversation coming up, so you're going over it in your head. Maybe some of the kids in the room, have you ever done anything wrong? If you're a kid in this room and you've done something wrong, raise your hand. And you knew you had to talk to mom and dad. You had to admit it. Is that not the worst? So you practice what you're going to say. That's what he's doing here in the story. It says, so he returned home to his father. And here we have one of my favorite lines in Scripture. I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again. It says, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming. What I love about that is that means that the father was looking. That means that the father was going out every night and looking to see if this was going to be the day that his son came home. He never gave up. This is filled with compassion, love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. He he said to, to him, Father, I've sinned against both you and heaven, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. How awesome is it that Jesus tells a story that ends with the phrase, so the party began. And in each of these stories, we see this pattern. Lost, found, and as the Beastie Boys said, party. Lost, found, party. Lost, found, party. Lost, found, party. We see that rhythm over and over again throughout this chapter. And I think in many ways, that's the rhythm that we should experience in our lives as as Christians, as a church, lost, found, party. And so when we have someone amongst us that may feel lost, maybe it's ourselves, but we find Jesus and Jesus finds us, that is a reason to celebrate. And to me, that is what this morning is about. It's about celebrating. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. Most of you know this, but I grew up Baptist. 
I know. <laughs> Never mentioned it before. Uh, as I often say, Baptists are a unique group of people. Uh, we love casseroles, we hate dancing, and we don't drink in public. But one of the things that I do love about the Baptist church is that we love baptisms. And if you ever go to a baptism in a Baptist church, there's a celebration. Dare I say there's a party. That when that individual goes under and they come up, there is cheering, sometimes hooting and hollering and clapping, things that don't often happen in a Lutheran or Presbyterian church. But I love that. And even if we don't do that externally, I hope we do that internally as we realize that that rhythm is carrying on again. Lost, found, party. If you go on to read the rest of the story, the other brother gets involved, the older brother. He gets mad. He refuses to join the party. Says to his dad, I never ran off. I never disobeyed you. And you never did this for me. So I don't want to be a part of this. See, the only person that gets in trouble in the story is the one who refuses to join the party. So my hope this morning, as Pastor Dan comes up, as we have these dedications and these baptisms, I hope that that rhythm can continue. Lost, found, party. That we can celebrate as a church what God is doing in these individuals and these families' lives just as they did in the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. You guys ready to party?